Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding podcast show, where I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. All right, we have a great show for you today with Miss Teresa Huff. She's a nonprofit strategist, a mentor, and another podcast host. So you may have heard of her podcast, Grant Writing Simplified. Um, so she is on the show today to talk about overcoming a lot of the constraints that grants have have. You know it, word limitation, character count, all of those things. So she's going to give you some amazing hacks today to overcome those constraints. You can definitely find out more about Teresa at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 231 in our show notes today and about her podcast. She also is sharing a quiz with you and um, you can definitely find the link there as well as all the show notes. Once again, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 231. And a quick word from our sponsor, Grant Writing and Funding. We are super excited to be co-hosting the Nonprofit Consulting Conference on August 25th and 26th of 2022. It is a two-day virtual conference to bring together newbie nonprofit consultants as well as seasoned nonprofit consultants and help you learn how to ask for more, know how to actually make your prices, and then your accounting systems, as well as how to get clients, and so, so much more. So please do sign up for the Nonprofit Consulting Conference, and you can definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com, and you will see information about that. And of course, please, while you're there, make sure you join our free Grant Writing and Funding Hub Haven, where we have a slew of resources available for you for free. So please do jump over and check that out as well as our other courses we have there as well. All right, let's get back to today's episode with Teresa Huff. You are going to enjoy this podcast. I know I did. She is such a pleasure to actually collaborate with as I also have a podcast, obviously, and uh, we love to work on things together. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. I'm really excited about today's episode, and as always, I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission that may be the mission of the nonprofit you are currently working with, or if you're a nonprofit consultant, the many different nonprofits that you work with. All right, so I have Teresa Huff on the podcast today, and Teresa and I, we go back a little ways because we are both podcast hosts in the grant writing niche space. So it's not that big of one, but, and that's why we're like, hello, you, I know you, you're in Missouri and I'm on Guam. We're like, we need to connect. So welcome to the show. Right. (laughs) Thank you. It's great to connect online now. Yes. Yes. So we've definitely had some Zoom chats and this is our first time. We're like, okay, we're definitely going to swap podcasts. So I'm also going to be on her podcast, which is Grant Writing Simplified Podcast. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And thank you for coming on today. And just to kind of share your background a little bit, like you have a lot of experience um, in the same sector, writing grants, over $7 million secured. Um, your podca- podcast has also been downloaded a ton of times in a different countries around the world. And 
if you listen to her podcast and you listen to this podcast, you know, chances are you're going to get a lot out of both of them as we talk about similar things, obviously on grant writing, nonprofit consultancy, being in the nonprofit field, but in different ways as well. So your podcast is definitely also a blend of solo episodes and interviews. So it's so much fun to have you on the show. So welcome again. Thank you. I'm excited to finally get together. We've been trying to plan this and pin down a date for probably a year now. So it's good to finally connect and get the interview going. Yes, absolutely. I love it. And even last week, we were supposed to meet up and then my car battery died. <laughs> the things of life happen. Life happens. Yes. That's all right. Thank you for rescheduling. This is awesome. Yeah. So, and okay, so we're going to talk about today and I love, you know, hearing what you're passionate about in grant writing. And, you know, you're talking about like, look, how can we look creatively at different constraints of grant writing? And I was like, oh yes, please talk about that because I actually don't address that too much, but I get a lot of questions, especially more and more lately with how everything's gone virtually with foundations and grant applications. So many people come to me and they say, Holly, I've only got 500 characters. <laughs> you just submit this grant. What do I do? And it's yes. like, oh, I feel you. So um, you're going to really talk about that today. So I'm really excited about that. But before we get there, which I know everyone's like, how do you do that? Please, Teresa, talk to us about it. <laughs> it's um, magic. Yes. I, yeah, we're going to hear that magic. <laughs> you're one. Um, so I want to know a little bit what got you into grant writing, because you've been doing this for about a couple of decades as well. And, you know, everyone has their own story. So I love to hear people's story on how they got started. Right. I'm the same way because it seems like nobody ever just intentionally went down the grant writing path. It always was a curvy, swervy way to get here. So yeah, I started out as a special ed teacher and did that for a few years. And then when we had kids, I wanted to stay home, but then still help bring in income for our family and be able to use my degree. I had gotten my master's in education and, you know, I wanted to do something besides just hourly work that, you know, wasn't building anything. I wanted to be part of something a little bit bigger and more meaningful. So I heard about a lady that lived nearby who did grant writing and I asked if she would meet for coffee. And back then we did not have Google. I couldn't have looked it up much online. <laughs> so didn't have all the resources like today where it's overwhelming. And so I met her and we talked for about an hour and she said, you know, I'm looking to add somebody to my team if you'd be interested in working with us. And so I jumped at the chance and she did federal grants and the big doozies. And so it was jumping right into the deep end of the ocean. But I learned so much from her and worked with her for a couple of years as a mentor and really learned the ins and outs of that. And then when we moved away, I branched out on my own and started consulting and freelancing and built my business from there and learned a lot of things the hard way, which is why I love teaching them now and combining my special ed background and the grant writing and helping nonprofits be more intentional and strategic about their approach to grant writing and teaching grant writers how to do it. It doesn't have to be overwhelming or intimidating. So that's how I like to present it, just to break it down into doable steps. Which is why your podcast obviously is called Grant Writing Simplified. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Must exactly. Be vision statement, right? Or your vision statement. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love, I love it. And yeah, I mean, it's, and that's the thing, it's the difference between 
being easy and being simple. There is a difference, right? And I yes. love that always pointing out that difference. Like, yeah, something can definitely, it, grant writing's not easy, right? You know what I mean? When right. you look at it, it's very complex. And that's why there's technical writers. And that's why there's, we have podcasts about it and everything. But it can be simple when you have the framework, right? And when you right. understand what you're doing. So it is exactly. like to say, you know, don't feel like if it does feel a little bit hard in the beginning, it's okay. Like also honor that and know that it's a learning curve, like anything that you're learning. Right. So, right. Definitely. And it's, yeah, it's definitely something to learn. And the more we can set up good systems and processes and checks and balances and learning what can be reused and what needs to be created each time and being able to define that and recognize that can be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you started, you know, basically as a consultant, like you, you met up with somebody, which is fantastic, like back in the day, right? And we're like, hey, can you, can you mentor me through this? Can you kind of talk to me about this? And you had that great opportunity to do that. And I just, I just want to kind of sidetrack on that and say to people out there, you know, that is definitely something you can look to if this is something you're interested in is to reach out to grant writers and to say, hey, do you need anyone for your firm? Do you need anyone that, you know, I'm willing to learn kind of a thing. So, I mean, definitely people are needing more grant writers these days, right? Nonprofits are looking for that. And even at a nonprofit, like if you, you're more than likely going to have grant writing put on your plate at one time or another, no matter what your position name or description is. <laughs> so it is something that you know, right? And you're probably going to be involved with one, even if you're not the grant writer, you may be helping with the reporting, the data, collecting information, all kinds of aspects of it. Right. So to understand it can make it more simple, right? So it yes. can then make it less overwhelming, less stressful, all of those things. Because exactly. you're familiar with it. So yeah. Right. There are so many myths and misconceptions around grants, as I'm sure you've heard. And so that's why I wanted to just break that down and help people understand, okay, here's what you need to know. And here's how you need to go about it, as opposed to chasing after all those misconceptions that aren't going to get you anywhere. Right, right. And what are what are some of the most common misconceptions, just since we're on that topic, that you hear mm -hmm. about grants? Like not to think oh. <laughs> Probably, no, probably similar to what you hear about, oh, we're starting a new nonprofit. Let's just get grants. That'll help us fund everything. That'll fund our salaries. We need a building. We need all the things. So let's just get grants for it or that's a really common one. Um, and they don't understand grant funders don't wanna be your first dollar or your only dollar. Mm -hmm. Or another one is thinking that, ooh, if we tell them we have other money or other grants, they'll think we don't need this grant. So we should hide that under the rug. And, you know, and that's actually not true. They wanna see that other people think you're worth investing in too. Mm -hmm. Or then another one that is pretty big, I did an episode on this recently, is thinking that you can sweep the red flags under the rug. If there's an issue and you just think, oh, if we don't mention that, maybe they won't notice. But that's exactly what they're going to notice. Yeah. So if you can, and this kind of goes along with our constraints, if you can figure out how to use that and reframe that and explain it, then it's not a red flag anymore. It's just, oh, okay, that's a part of their program. That's a challenge they're facing. They have a plan to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And you can step by step 
take them through that to where it makes sense instead of being this, wait a minute, they didn't address the fact that their director just resigned. What's going on here? But if you just explain through, you know, she was retiring. We have a new one in place that's been training for a year. They're ready to go. It's not a red flag. It's just, okay, they've been through this transition. They're prepared. They're Mm -hmm. going with it. I love so just planning. <laughs> yes. I'm like, get ahead of it because if you get ahead of it and address it before they even think to ask it, then they're not going to look at anything else necessarily. Exactly. Right? They're like, oh, know what they're the doing. They're right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah. those are just some common ones that you probably see as well. Absolutely. And, and those are really good, good ways to address it as well, you know? So, um, I mean, definitely there are different things that, you know, are, are common myths um, and, you know, kind of segueing into those constraints now is to say there's different types of constraints with grant writing. And I just mentioned one earlier, so we can definitely address that one, but we can also address some other constraints because, you know, there's definitely a lot of like, uh, even if it's not 500 characters, sometimes there's different constraints on, you know, what you can attach when you're trying to explain something. Um, there's also uh, sometimes conflicting uh, questions in the FOAs of funding opportunity announcements and that sort of thing, right? So there's a lot of different constraints when it comes to our challenges in grant writing. But if you could just, because that's like one of the big ones, right? It's like, oh, if I only have 500 words or 500 characters, <laughs> how do I do this? And it's all yes. about can't attach anything and you know what I mean so like yes your recommendation with that (laughs) well I actually did an episode on this back one of my early ones I think it was 15 and I have a blog post there that has a comparison side by side but I recommend that you really learn to write tight because this is actually as frustrating as it can be it's made my writing so much better overall just as a whole of making every word count, sometimes every character count. Do I really need this comma or not? But (laughs) do I need the word the or a? Like it it needs to make sense, but really think through how can you reframe this? How can you word it better and more simple again to still make it clear? It needs to be clear, concise and compelling. And if you just have all these jumble of words and they have to sift through and sort out what you're even trying to say, then it's not going to resonate with them. They have to process too much. So the more we can simplify that and break it down into just simple, active voice, active language, then that really makes it more powerful. And it's tough. It's tough trimming those words, but I just feel like I'm taking my ax out and chopping away, but it's actually become really fun. I love doing that now, chopping that down. And how can we twist this down to still say the same thing without taking out that meaning, but in a much tighter way. Right. I love that. And I love that, you know, the other thing you mentioned is like taking out a comma or taking out a pronoun. (laughs) Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And it really is. And the thing is, is it's not necessarily English majors who are reviewing grants. So sometimes we need to throw that out the window too, to be like, you know what? Yes, it's a complete sentence, or at least it has a period there and it makes sense. But, you know, sometimes we can't consider like, all of the grammatical things too, you know what I mean? It's it's okay sometimes because really technical writing is getting your message across in that concise, succinct writing, right? So I think sometimes too, you need to give yourself a little bit of 
a leeway when looking at that to say, okay, they're only requesting this much characters, then I need to deliver the most powerful words that make sense. And that's, exactly. you know, that explain what I'm doing for this project. So, right. I and if that. you think about it, instead of saying with these funds, we would be able to, why not just say we will fill in the blank? Yeah. I mean, you just cut out probably 10 words yeah. <laughs> that you don't active. need them. Yeah, yeah, it's more active, more interesting. We will do this. We will follow up with that. Instead yeah. of if we were awarded these funds, we would be able to do this and that. If we could yeah. have more money, like don't talk like that. Yeah. Just be <laughs> powerful, active. Tell them what you're going to do. Yes. And even in the grant, if you have more words, I mean, you can still do that. You can still make it very active. You can still cut out a lot of you know, the flowery language as well, because grant reviewers are just like, hey, do they know how to implement projects? Do they know how to manage money? How are they explaining how they do that? So <laughs> is there a need? Are they serving? Mm -hmm. Do they meet the need? Yep. Do you need the word very to describe right. something? Or can you come up with a better word? You don't need to say it's very high poverty. Just say poverty is high. Yeah. Or it's high poverty, poverty. rate is 75% versus 33% yeah. in the US national average or whatever that is, right? So exactly. yeah, being clarity in your writing. So yeah, so I like this these constraints with word character um, counts limitations to say it can actually really help your writing and it can help yes. you with technical writing because technical writing is concise. It is succinct, right? So, um, and it is compelling, like you mentioned. So having limitations can sometimes help you be more creative in your approach exactly. right to do exactly. that exactly so right and this is true at the technical logistical level like we're talking about here but it's also true at more of the conceptual strategic level as well mm -hmm. like if a nonprofit might be saying you know during the pandemic when they couldn't serve people in their building or they couldn't have group meetings like they used to do they were forced to rethink that and to get creative and how can we still serve people how can we have meetings and i work with the senior center and they switched for a while they couldn't do in-center lunches so they did curbside meal pickup that still allowed the seniors to come in have a quick visit as they passed off the meals to the cars it still kept healthy meals going for people that really needed it. So they just got creative. They did some exercise classes on Facebook Live, you know, a lot of really fun ways that still kept people connected. It wasn't the same. It wasn't ideal. Right. It forced them to rethink, but it also allowed them to get creative and think, okay, how can we still serve people? And I mean, that's just one example, but also sometimes we have to think about it at that higher level, instead of being frustrated and saying, oh, we're shut down, we can't do anything. I guess we're just done until this is over. How about saying, okay, we have these constraints. There are some of them we don't have any control over, but what can we control and what can we get creative and mm -hmm. serve a little differently? So yeah. sometimes at that higher strategic level, it's good to get into that too, instead of looking at them as a negative, flip it into a positive. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, that whole approach on streamlining operations has been huge for nonprofits. And, yes. um, you know, so it, it can really create some opportunity um, as well, right? So when you look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, a lot of people are um, now doing online fundraising and, you know, 
for some of them, it has worked really well, or at least to continue to do a portion of their fundraising online because of all of the expenses of in-person events, right? So mm -hmm. now you might actually be getting a higher rate, you know, of donation to go towards their programs rather than just going for the expenses of the fundraising event. So we definitely see um, there's a lot of combination now hybrid approaches to how this works because of that streamlining. But yeah, it all goes back to how can I find opportunity in my constraints? Um, and, right. and it can be done. We've, we've seen it. We've experienced it um, ourselves mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes it's not ideal, but it is what it is when funding opportunity announcements are saying, hey, this is what you need to submit. You're submitting to them, right? So, um, you know, to look at that and to say, okay, well, how, you know, do we now appease this? And we could also go off, I know Rule from AF Nonprofits is really passionate about too of saying, let's also rally and lobby the foundations out there and say, hey, um, we do want you know, one or two page uniformed application process because okay. making us go to your foundation and do 500 word count and this one and do 10 pages and this one do this. And it makes so much work, right? So yes, I'm definitely on, on, on page with that as well. Um, definitely mm -hmm. so a little shout out to Vule for, um, for, you know, campaigning for that because I think it is very important. Um, but where we're at today and looking at what, how we can approach the funding sources, they're not in that position yet. So how do we do that? And, you know, and the other thing too is you don't have to fill out 10 pages. If you have a 10 page maximum or minimum, max, sorry, maximum limit, do you need to take the full 10 pages? No, you don't, right? So if you also just wanna say, you know what, I can succinctly and completely put everything that I need to in this application and it only takes me two pages, the more power to you, right? Um, so there's that as well um, to okay. kind of, you know, talk about just being the advocate or the kind of like the looking at the opposite side on this. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I used to kind of panic if I had written a grant and I hadn't used all the pages or all the word count yet, like, oh, I must be missing something. I better fill it with more. I didn't say enough. Yeah. And I realized now what I probably did to those poor funders having to review all that extra <laughs> that they didn't need. And for your time, right? Um, yeah. that, I mean, that's the time waste as well of trying to be like, okay, I have to appease, appease, appease. Because for me too, it's about the relationship, right? So when you enter into this and you say, there's only a 500 word count and I can deliver, yes, I can say the problem statement, I can say the goal, the objectives and how much money I need. And that's pretty much all I can say. Um, but if I wanna work with this funding source, maybe I can reach out to them and say, hey, I submitted an online application. We have a lot more resources though, you know, and it didn't really do justice to the entire program. There's a lot more we wanna add. So we would like to invite you to come to our board meeting or we could present at yours and really explain our program a little bit more so you can get more information for your decision-making. That's okay. Are they gonna- That's a creative to way yeah. to find a new opportunity. Exactly, exactly. So when you guys go into this, like all the listeners out there too, I think it's important to think, um, how you want to enter into relationship as well. It is a relationship when you're submitting online. When you feel those constraints, how can you think creatively of getting out of those constraints or working creatively within them? Um, so there's definitely opportunities. Negotiations always on the table, right? It is a relationship. Don't just feel like, oh, I am at the will of the funding source. <laughs> like I have to, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? We, we can still communicate with them. Um, even right. in federal grant applications, right? 
if they have conflicting things in their funding opportunity announcement, or if they have things that just aren't clear, like what the font size is for charts or whatnot. I mean, I'm always emailing those program officers before we even submit the grant and developing yes. relationships right away. You know, right. and ask for their feedback on ideas and oh. input. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And really, when we get to a constraint or we hit a wall that we think, oh, no, this is just frustrating. It's terrible. We can't do anything about it. We're kind of at a crossroads and we it really brings us to almost a crisis of decision. We can either just say, well, forget it. That's not worth it and walk away or we can accept the status quo as is and well, okay, whatever, or we can step up and look for the creative solutions and find a way to better decisions, better relationships, better opportunities through that. So part of it is up to us, like, how are we going to react and handle this? Are we going to be proactive or are we just going to give up and let it go as it's. I love that. I love that. And have you, you know, reached out to different funding opportunity uh, or funding sources and say, hey, um, you know, you, you have this online, maybe it's conflicting on how you can apply, right? There's also that sometimes they have a uniform submit like this, but it's not really clear or it's not allowing you to enter all the information that you need to or whatnot. I mean, do you just connect with them that way too and reach out? Like, how do you get past the gatekeepers? Like, maybe they don't have a direct person to email. You know what I mean? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's tough when there's not someone directly. I try to reach out directly and talk to them if I can. If not, that's where you may have to do a little bit of research, like look at their past awards, look for clues of anywhere else you can find, see if there are any trends in the things they've done in the past yeah. and kind of do some digging there to see what else you can put together. But that's tough when there's nobody that you can talk it through with. Oh, it is, I know. One of the, one of the ways I've kind of jumped over that <laughs> are fine is if they're on LinkedIn so because mm. you can find mm -hmm. direct people who work for the foundation sometimes they're so small or they're just not on LinkedIn but I found that that's actually a great way to jump the gatekeeper or there's not you know what uh, I mean to yes that's become a really powerful tool in recent yeah. years yeah. and another way would be to reach out to previous awardees yeah. to see if they have any recommendations but that can be a little tricky if they're still reapplying and they may not want to, they may not be as open to talking, but some very much are. So it just depends. Right, right. No, I think those are great. I mean, and, and, I, and I love that looking at it from the constraints from the operation side as well, not just the grant writing side, how you mentioned that. Um, but as far as other types of constraints in grant writing, what are other constraints that you've, you've seen and how to overcome them? Mm. Sometimes it's very much, within the guidelines of what types of projects they will fund. The geographic restraints are pretty black and white. <laughs> like yeah. there's really no working around that. But one time, as far as like the programs that they would wanna fund, one time I did call and talk to a funder. I was working on grants for a food pantry and I asked them, I said, you know, here's what we're thinking of. They really need funding for food. What do you think? Would this be a good request? And she said, you know, we get so many requests from food pantries. They all kind of sound alike. And the board just really has decided we don't want that type of project because it's, there's just so many and because it's very consumable, like it yeah. would just be gone within a few months and that's that the money doesn't stretch very far 
She said, we're really looking for something more sustainable, especially if it's gonna help your organization run more efficiently and you know, help streamline your operations internally. Wow. And so I thought, hmm, okay, that's interesting. So I went back and talked to the director and I said, what do you think? Here's what they said. And she said, well, you know, I haven't thought about this for grants, but we've really wanted a forklift for years because when our truck comes, the big semi to deliver, our volunteers have to go and unload box by box off the pallets into the warehouse, then take them box by box out front to the line. A lot of them are senior citizens. It takes hours to unload the truck. If we had a forklift, we could just lift the pallet, take it to the warehouse, we're done. Like lift the pallets off, boom, boom. <laughs> that would be amazing. And so we put together the grant. There were probably a hundred applicants and they awarded maybe 17 and we got it and they got a forklift. <laughs> I mean, who would have ever thought mm -hmm. to ask for a forklift? But I mean, that's something that's gonna last them for years and years. And it was a really huge help for their nonprofit, for their operations, easier on their volunteers. Yeah, they, they were thrilled with it. for other things, right? So. Exactly, right. It was so much more efficient to unload the trucks because they would get trucks a couple times a week. And so wow. they were having to go through this process every time. And oh. that was exactly what that funder was looking for. Mm -hmm. But again, I had to be open to that feedback. And that's another thing about constraints. You have to be willing to listen to feedback and take it into account and know what kind of feedback is wise and worth listening to and which kinds you need to filter out and set aside for now because it's maybe not the best route. So that's something to, it's a, I guess, a, a work in progress, a learning process yeah. <laughs> to be able to do that. Yes, feedback can be, because, you know, can be taken very personally. Um, yeah. it critically. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, to learn to say, okay, it's about the program. How can I improve um, all of those things? So, and, and a lot of times it's, it's not necessarily a thing against the grant writer. It's like, how well is the nonprofit set up? How well is other things, right? There's other things that come into play. Um, but right. I, I love that you talked about feedback and that's also a part of constraints potentially one of the biggest um, complaints that I get are constraints and complaints within feedback is it's just generic if they get any at all. So a lot of foundations, because of the sheer volume, like you said, 100 applications are only awarding 17. Even 17 is quite a good number out of 100 to award. Sometimes it's three out of 100. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. that is a lot to give feedback on, especially if it's a board of directors, like if it's foundation money board of directors who's volunteering their time, right? They might just weed out a whole bunch in general and then just review some of them. So they're not going to have feedback for every single one. So they are going to email back and say, due to the sheer volume of applications that we receive, we will not be awarding yours this year. Good luck next yeah. time or whatever, something <laughs> generic like that, right? So right. And that's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. And that's where I guess, again, you can get creative. Like if they just cannot give any response back, then maybe do your own homework. Look for those clues of what was awarded this year. What are the trends? You can map that out and analyze did we ask for too much? Was it the type of thing? Was it something we said? Did we miss an attachment? You know, look back for whatever clues you can find and then maybe try to be proactive and call them in the off season mm -hmm. to ask ahead for next year mm -hmm. and just 
you know, ask for their recommendations as opposed to trying to reach them right after when maybe they're getting an influx of calls. But I'm guessing this was a small local community foundation. So they probably didn't get a ton of calls. You know, they probably didn't have a lot of the applicants calling to ask in advance, mm -hmm. which maybe was to our benefit to get that input. But yeah, that can be really hard when they're just non-responsive on the feedback part. Yes. It is generic and it's like, oh, a dagger to my heart. But, <laughs> you know, you have to just not take it so personally. And it's a whole bigger picture process. And it could just be literally they have less funding this year than last year. Or they decided to go the route of this type of project instead of, you know, cutting across that off the board. One time a funder told me, you know, we've decided for next year, we're just not doing any type of playground or parks because we had too many requests last year for park and playground equipment. And so we just knew across the board, if we applied for that, it was, it was going to be a no, but that's something you don't always get, but it could just be something completely unrelated to your skill as a grant writer or to your project mm -hmm. for the nonprofit. I love that. And I love that it goes back to having that conversation if you're able to and and like you mentioned the off season so really knowing what to look at as the off season is i like to see when their funding cycles are open and obviously you'd be doing that on the off month or whatever and it's not open right so it's like looking at opportunities to have conversations and always to remember it's about a relationship you're going to enter into yes. a contract which is a relationship and you know to understand that it's a two-way street. So would you only enter into a relationship, um, you know, like let's take dating, right? Like and say, will you marry me before you go on a date? <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a, most people in the grant writing world. That's what they do. The only time they ever have contact with a funding source is when they're asking for money. They never contact them before. They never call them. They never really go into detail and figure out who they funded, who they've dated before, right? All of the things. It's like they're just like, "Will you marry me?" <laughs> you know, it's right? Like, know each other here. Um, yeah. Sure, with federal grants that might be a different thing, but you can still find out past awardees what their priorities are. You can still reach out to program officers and say, "Hey, this is our idea for this grant. What do you think? Is this a good fit?" You can absolutely do that, um, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's what it's about, right? So I love that you, you really kind of put the nail there to say, hey, look, even if you're getting generic responses, what are you doing before you submit your grant application, right? Because that can help maybe mitigate that. So you're not getting generic, but you're actually getting it secured, right? So you have a better idea of where to spend your time and energy when you're developing right. those grant applications. So. Yeah, it really starts way ahead of time before you even start writing the grant. Yes, yes. And those are all those constraints that can be looked in a different way, right? So right. when you're like, okay, you know what? You know, it's not just about me begging for money. It's about me entering into a relationship with a funding source. And so let's have a conversation first or let me do some research first and let me look at this in a different way, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And figuring that out, how to connect the dots, as opposed to just sometimes a nonprofit will just say, okay, go for as many as you can and let's see what we can get. But yeah. no, let's apply some constraint. Let's go about this more deliberately and find the best matches. And sometimes a no 
you can reframe that to an opportunity of, okay, what could we do better next time? Can we reapply next year? And how can we improve? How can we build this relationship with the funder and get our foot in the door? And there's a person on the other side of everything, like you're saying. And so how can we get to know the people and let them get to know us as Mm -hmm. a nonprofit to see our work? Right, right. Man, this has been such a good conversation today. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of benefit out of this because it's not talked about a lot. <laughs> so I love it. Like right. looking at ways to look at constraints in a different way. Um, and definitely a lot of questions I get about this. So thank you so much, Teresa, for coming on the podcast today and talking about this. And I also want to, before we sign off today, I definitely want to give you um, the floor for a minute to also talk about things that you guys do over there at Grant Writing Simplified and ways people can contact you. And we'll also put that in the show notes as well. Sure. Sounds great. This has just flown. So thank you for this. (laughs) But yeah, um, I have a quiz if someone is thinking, do I have what it takes to be a grant writer? Could I really do this? And it's a free quiz that you can just go through at teresahuff.com slash quiz. And I also have the fast track to grant writer. It's a 90 day coaching program where we just go all in with the intents of what do you want your career to look like as a grant writer? And work through that and level up into some program writing skills and then also create your career and help you design your consulting business or if you're looking to work at a nonprofit to figure out what that can look like and how you can go after that and then crafting and refining your online presence and your goals to match that so I love it. It's kind of a combination of all the things I learned the hard way that I wish I'd known Mm -hmm. (laughs) starting out as a new consultant. And then, you know, all the valuable lessons I've learned from my mentors and all the people I've worked with along the way. And so it's a lot of fun. Cool. So you got some, you got some free resources. I love that quiz. And you have some also opportunities and products and um, for people to join you and to work with you more into groups and other sessions. So that is once again, uh, Teresa Huff and how you spell your name is T-E-R-E-S-A-H-U-F-F.com. So definitely do check that out. And um, and we'll have all the show notes again, some of the links. I know you talked about some different podcasts that you've done that can also give people a lot of support. So if you guys want to find out more about grant writing simplified i'll also uh put the link as well in the show notes so thank you again Teresa, for coming on the podcast and i'm sure we will have you on again so yeah all right great look forward to it thank you thank you so much for listening to the grant writing and funding podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode with Teresa huff of grant writing simplified really really awesome time with her and she just gives some really great tips so once again, for all of today's show notes, please do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 231. And if you love this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. And also, would you do me a favor? Leave a review on iTunes or your podcast player as it really does help other people find the podcast. And you might hear my cat yelling in the background, so I better get out of here. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.